You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coach, this is Chrissy from Buzzing with Miss B and you are listening to episode 60, How Do You Do It All as an Instructional Coach. You are going to love this episode because this is one of the questions I am asked the most as an instructional coach and I have a a real true strategy that I used as an instructional coach that was used on my campus to support teachers and I really believe it's going to make a huge impact on the way you focus your energy and figure out where to spend your time in order to really do it all as a coach because you can't do it all (laughs) and you will be expected to. So those two opposing ideas exist all the time. It's impossible to do everything. You must do everything, (laughs) right? So if you go into your instructional coaching work with your intention to be in every single classroom all of the time in the same degree, you will lose your mind. It's disheartening and it's frustrating and it makes you feel like you're a failure when in reality you're a human being with a limited number of hours in a day. That's just the reality of instructional coaching. There is more work to be done than can ever be done in a day. So we really have to think about how we're approaching this work. So this is why this is such a problem. If you have a school, let's say you have 40 teachers or 30 or 50, each teacher needs something different. They all have different requests for support, for resources, for your time. They all have different demands on your time, except some of them who have no requests. And those might be the very teachers who really should have requests for support, right? But some of those teachers are hiding out, they're laying low, they're not looking to talk to you because they are not interested in what you've got to offer. If you try in this situation with your 30, 40, 50 teachers to get into every classroom equally, you will feel like you haven't accomplished anything because you won't have accomplished anything. If you think about it, let's say you get into one teacher's classroom every day a week, every day of the week for a month. Maybe you get to 30 teachers that that way. What have you really done visiting each teacher for one day? Nothing. Nothing has changed, right? So we really have to think about how we're going to support those classrooms, how we're going to impact teaching and learning on our campus. And the only way that we can do that is to make some decisions, just like when we were in the classroom. When we were classroom teachers, we had limited time. We had more than we needed, more more things than we could possibly do in the day. We had lots of ideas and we knew our kids needed lots of support, right? And we couldn't just sit every day with a different child and hope that the children all magically kept moving forward. That's not how it works. You have 22 kids, you have 22 different personalities, 10 different reading levels, let's say, 15 different needs within those levels. Did you work with every kid every day individually on their own special learning plan? No, it's impossible. You just can't do it. So you probably used your data and figured out which kids needed what, which kids needed more, which kids needed you to meet with them frequently and less frequently, and then you made a plan. For example, in guided reading, we would use a couple of sources of data to identify student levels and then needs within those levels, and then we'd group students based on level and need. Kids with more needs were seen more frequently. Kids with fewer immediate needs were seen less frequently. 
If they were way above grade level, we would probably differentiate and do a book study or a literature circle instead of a traditional guided reading lesson. So we differentiate for kids and we know how to do this. We're comfortable doing that. It's part of our regular best practice approach. We have to differentiate for adults too. So people can feel kind of uncomfortable with this idea. And I get it because we look at adults and we're not supposed to be evaluative as instructional coaches, right? And if we're looking at adults and figuring out who needs more support and who needs less, that can feel evaluative. But the purpose of this is to support people appropriately. It's not punitive. It's to figure out who needs your help. We're not administration. This is just to help you focus your energy where you need it the most. So the idea is not that you're going to look at your teachers and figure out who needs more support and then those people are going to be punished appropriately. <laughs> no, of course not. The idea is you're going to look at your teachers, figure out who needs more support, who needs what kinds of support, and then provide that support. So that's, that's the whole goal. So here's how you do it. First, you're either going to choose to focus on something based on data or you're going to visit classrooms and see what you notice is a trend across the school. For example, like if we, we had to help you make this decision, your data might show that students struggle to answer questions about 2D shapes or context clues or something really specific, you know, the, the relationship between the earth, moon, and sun. But from your classroom visits, you can tell that it's more than that. It's not just about 2D shapes or context clues or the earth, moon, and the sun. It's about academic language in general. When you visit those classrooms, you're not seeing academic language happen in those classrooms. So then that is moving into questions that are very academic language heavy. So when your kids are working on those specific areas, they're showing gaps. The gaps are not just 2D shapes or context clues or earth, moon, and sun. Those gaps are academic language. And so sometimes as coaches, we can look at the data and start with the data there, but then we really need to visit those classrooms and use those two things together, kind of triangulate that, that, you know, our approach to make sure that we are really meeting the needs of students. So first I recommend doing your, uh, looking at your assessment data. In the upper grades, you may have a state assessment. In untested grades, you may have some local assessment data of uh, definitely focus on as accurate assessments only. I have seen a lot of very inaccurate local assessments um, in my time as a, as a coach and teacher. So, you know, sometimes you have to take that data with a grain of salt. So if you had lots of students in the past who previously struggled, that you might find that that test was not a reasonable goal for that group of kids. And so then that data may not be super relevant to you making decisions about where to focus your energy. Uh, if, if after this year, for example, whenever kids come back in the fall, is data really going to reflect how effective your teachers are this year? <laughs> Does it ever really reflect how effective they are? We have to question what kinds of data we're using. However, I do recommend that you look at data as a starting point. Then I want you to do a school-wide classroom sweep. You can get information about this in episode 39 called Three Ways to Conduct a Needs Assessment. That's episode 39, and it will walk you through how to conduct a school-wide classroom sweep. But basically, you're visiting every single classroom, you're recording notes, and then you're going to look across for patterns. So this will help you figure out what's going on at kind of an overview level. You can also combine this with a survey. What are people actually interested in learning about? Those three pieces of information you want to collect from each teacher. So from each teacher, you have the assessment data, you have a classroom visit or several classroom visits, and you have a survey. 
those pieces are going to help you actually tier, T-I-E-R, your teachers into three different groups, okay? Group one is learning and growing on their own. If they need support, they will seek you out and they will be fine. <laughs> if they are struggling, they will ask the questions they need to get the answers that they need. They are independent learners and they're successful in the classroom. Your second group of teachers needs support in places and is being successful in other places. So perhaps there's a content area that's, that's a real challenge, or perhaps there is a classroom management issue, but you can see that instructionally there's a lot of sound practice going on there, but classroom management is creating some real issues in that room and kids are not learning. So tier two teachers need support in places and they're being successful in other places. Tier three teachers need intervention level support on a regular basis. And we, we all know that this is true, that we have teachers who are going to need consistent, regular support to ensure that kids are getting what they need in that classroom. So then what do you do with each tier? You've collected your three pieces of, of, of information, your school-wide sweep, your assessment data, and your survey, and you've figured out which teachers go in which groups. Now, you can figure this out on your own. You can do this, you know, sometimes administrators will look it over. It kind of depends on the culture of your school, how that may work. Um, if there's more than one coach, I do recommend that you come together and kind of make a sort of an agreement about who is where. Um, you won't always agree because different coaches are going to look at different things, but you may be able to at least get a, a bigger picture idea of what's going on with each classroom if you communicate with another coach. So now that you have that information, you have to figure out what to do with each tier. Well, first of all, don't go tell them, well, you're tier three, because that's just mean. There's no benefit to that. It's not going to motivate anybody to change. Uh, it's really just upsetting and hurtful. Instead, you make a plan. And this is how the plan goes. And then I'll talk a little bit about how you can introduce the plan when it's needed. Tier one teachers, this is my plan, okay? Now, yours may look very different depending on your faculty, depending on how many people you have in each tier, depending on how many people you have in all, what your district initiatives look like. This was what my plan looked like. Tier one, I would check in once a month, specifically individually with that teacher. They got tier one supports, which included planning support, data reviews, those were both weekly, professional development, which was also weekly and also as needed, and anything else that I offered to all teachers, obviously tier one teachers got that support. And I would add them to coaching cycles upon request. So I did not neglect them at all. I would pop in at least once a month, make sure that things were still working well. I would visit the classroom, you know, just make some general observations for myself. And then I would check in with, with the teacher and make sure things were moving. And then, of course, they got their tier one supports. If they requested support, I would absolutely add them to a coaching cycle. And they often did because these are people who like to grow. Tier two teachers, I would check in twice a month. They got the tier one support, you know, the school-wide support, planning support, data reviews, PD, all that stuff. Plus, they got an additional support each month or twice a month, just depending on what, what we were able to do. So it could be a coaching cycle once or twice a month. It could be that they got to visit a uh, colleague classroom and maybe the coaching cycle looked a little bit different. It could be that we worked through a resource together. Either way, we did some sort of coaching work together once or twice a month. Tier three 
I check in weekly. And I would use the coaching cycle sheet on the regular. This was a regular thing that we did every week. We set a goal and we'd work towards it. We would check in frequently. I would make sure I checked in at least twice a week. And I'd use that document that I'm going to share with you. It's called the coaching cycle document. And it's really a, a very precise one because it's about setting goals and following up. So it is more than just uh, checking in. It's really very specific. And so you're definitely going to want to download that um, that document to help you structure your work there. And you can get that at buzzingwithmissb.com slash episode 60. That's episode with a capital E, number six, zero. That coaching cycle document helped me be really consistent and focus on the specific work that we really needed to accomplish sooner than later. <laughs> we also had to do a lot of relationship building in that case because people notice you're in their rooms visiting, checking in a lot. And you're, whenever you're really present, people start to ask questions about why you're so present. So one thing that you can do is just say, I'm here because we need to do some work in this area, or I'm here because we are working really hard. It's a new initiative. And I know it's something that you're trying out. Now, not every coaching approach works in this way. Some schools are big on waiting until the teacher initiates the coaching cycle or just having the coach uh, pretend like everything is okay <laughs> until it is no longer okay, until it's really very obviously not okay, and then the principal might step in. Now, in my school, I could initiate a coaching relationship in this way. Once I had built a relationship with a teacher, I could say, hey, I think this would be really helpful. I think that we could do a lot of really cool things in your classroom, and I would love to work with you on a regular basis, so let's get this started together. Another thing you can do is, or another thing that sometimes happens is administrators will actually assign this kind of work. Hey, this teacher's really struggling. I need you to get in there. And if that is the case, then what you can say is, hey, Miss So-and-so mentioned that you're working in this area and I would love to help you with that. I'm here. Let's get started. And just kind of approach it with a can-do positive, I'm here to support attitude. And not everybody's going to love that, but they will like that a lot better than if you walk in and say, hey, Miss So-and-so says that you need a lot of help. <laughs> so I'm here to help you. Let me, let's, what, what do we need to fix? So if you approach it with a positive problem-solving attitude, people are more likely to accept you in their classrooms. Now, this, these tiers, these teachers are not stuck in them forever. You can reevaluate them mid-year. You could reevaluate them once a quarter. You could reevaluate them at the end of the year. It depends on, on how many people you have as to how much movement you may have within those tiers. Um, but definitely, you don't want to leave people stuck in a tier if they have moved beyond that and are no longer needing that support or if things have changed and maybe they need a little more support than you anticipated. You want to make sure everybody gets what they need. So make sure you're going to get your coaching cycle document for that intervention group for that tier three group of teachers that's going to help you document exactly what you're doing and it will also help you really focus your work together and I will talk to you next week. I'm actually um, looking forward to our conversation next week and I really think you're going to want to listen in. We're going to be talking about uh, inclusion and equity and so until then, happy coaching. Thank you for listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. 
It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.